This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks uh, or VAR for short. <laughs> And to discuss VAR in all its various forms, we have three of uh, the finest pundits that money could buy. Um, one is Des Corkill. I can't believe it. You have told me I cannot talk about those words that cannot be said. I am in fear. I tell you, BFM are restricting my freedom of speech. Okay. Allow me to talk about VAR, but you're not letting me count. No, we will, but we've got to limit it, okay? And we have Goglan Doraju. Hi, I'm on the VAR bandwagon today, on the positive <laughs> side also. <laughs> yeah, very happy man. And uh, Bob Holmes. Well, I'm on the uh, negative side when it comes to VAR. I'm sorry, but I think that's a two-to-one win, Gogs. I do, I do. Okay, well, I think I count for something. Yeah. Uh, was it, what's it, Park, something Park, Paisley Park? Where does it? Stockley Park. Stockley Park. Um, so I am the Stockley Park. And uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to blow the whistle on too much VAR talk. So we're going to start, though. We've got a lot of Premier League to get through, and we have some Champions League and, of course, the Malaysian game. Let's start with, and... I've spent far too much time talking about Manchester United over the past, but we have to. Manchester United, nil, Bournemouth, three. And, uh, I mean, th- th- on the last show, I actually gave extra time to talk about Bournemouth. What are Bournemouth? Well, firstly, fully deserved. This, this was a victory where, right from the fifth minute, when they took the lead, when uh, Solanke got in uh, after some... Uh, attacking play from Bournemouth. I thought Bournemouth were down amongst the dead men, but uh, coaches got them sorted out. They're difficult. They're physical. Uh, Billing is a terrific player. Uh, his header, where he clambers all over. Was it sure he clambered over yep. for the second goal? Just showed the dominance. And it, it was a 3-0. Perfectly good goal disallowed by VAR. Uh, Should have been four, yeah. Should have been four. Plus the two disallowed goals. Plus the they hit the post. Bournemouth have gone to Old Trafford, never having won there before. Bournemouth! for heaven's sake, and have uh, wiped the floor with Manchester United. I think United have got so many good players, but there is something seriously wrong, maybe with the attitude, maybe with the aptitude. I'm not putting this on Trent Hogg. I'm putting this on the players. Uh, Bob, was it uh, Bournemouth good, Manchester United bad, or...? Oh, Bournemouth were good. Yeah, no question about it. Um, Manchester United were bad. Inconsistent, that's the uh, word that Ten Hag is using, but uh, thoroughly deserved. And just imagine if it had been four or if it had been five or six, how much worse it would have seemed to the great diaspora of Man United fans around the world. Those goals are important. It was actually good for Ten Hag that the fourth one was taken off. Because the, the, these, look at Liverpool, seven last season. Remember that? Mm. Seven nil. Wow, it resonates. So United were lucky it was only three. I mean, it's come to that. But United are also capable, quite capable, of beating Bayern Munich tomorrow night. And Liverpool I mean, that, at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> at the weekend. Yeah. No, I mean, that is United, isn't it? That is United. They have the players who are capable of doing that. Yeah. And Goglin, I mean, Aston Villa fan, we're going to talk about Villa a bit more in a moment, but uh, Villa, Villa in third, but uh, Manchester United are still in fourth. 
Well, you know, again, like you, like what Bob was saying and Des, I think, agreed to, is that we don't know which United shows up. And I think it alludes to the fact that they are not, the players are not playing, uh, it's Bournemouth, so they're not playing and everything. You know, it, they didn't look like... And that third goal, it's a training gr- uh, ground uh, thing, a, a simple header from a corner. Yeah. Nobody picking up the player on the far post. It was an old-fashioned goal. It was. Yeah. I mean, that, you do, what's happening on the training ground? If somebody like that is being not picked up. So I really don't understand the goals. Why you know the first ball, goal, you know, you you they lost possession and then they are on the back foot. It was a brilliant goal by Solanke to be said to put that in. So that was okay. But after that, the heads just drop. And Fernandez is. I'm sorry, he cannot be captain if he's perpetually complaining to the referee about everything. I don't understand. And you know, it's a rainy, wet day in Manchester. You need your your captain to start. <laughs> Really pulling the team up by the socks, and I, he's just complaining about every decision to the ref. And the yellow card, I hope it wasn't deliberate. I hope for his professionalism, he didn't do it deliberately. Yeah. I don't believe he, he he would have done. Okay, let, uh, let's move on then. This is this is Villa's moment <laughs> in the sun. This is Gogoland or Raju's moment in the sun. He's been on this show since the very beginning, and now his team. Gogoland, I've got to ask you: in your whole history of as an Aston Villa fan, how does it feel right now? Where, where does this stand right now? Right up, right up there, right up there. When 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 Martin O'Neill was uh, the manager, and we were looking at the big six, and we were the heady days of finishing sixth, three seasons in a row in Europe and everything. But this is there's something deeper to this. I don't. I from a football point of view, you can see that this is what Emery has drilled into them. It is basically the same team that Steven Gerrard had at Bar One, and you can see the difference from 17 to third in 13 months is you know. Uh, Testament to Unai Emery's uh, brilliance, his tactical uh, nose, and also his his discipline that he's instilled in the team from the behind the scenes. He is a workaholic. He stays until 10 p.m., goes through the players. He's on the treadmill in the morning while the players are working in the gym. While they are listening to music and podcasts, he's looking at future opponents' videos, trying to pick this thing. And the way he outfoxed Pep Guardiola is, you know, one for the ages. Because that game, I mean, the Arsenal Having done Man City the week before as well. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm talking about uh, oh, Man City. Yes, I'm talking sorry, about Man City. Yes. So Man City, you know, the completely he looked at the way Man City were playing. He set the team out, and everybody played to their strengths, played to the textbook what he put out, and this is what happened. You looked at the stats. City were never dominated like this before ever in Pep's time, and they had two shots on goal, and they faced 22 shots on goal against them, right? So fully deserved thing. The Arsenal game a bit. We were a bit lucky. We hung on, but we're again. But what we a goal! What well, yeah, yeah. I know, by Leon Bailey. So that goal. I mean, most uh, we're not getting enough. Uh, I think uh, accolades for how we, the ball was played out from the back yeah. to that, and that is Unai Emery ball, mm. because that is what he's been. I mean, I'm not a big fan of being playing out of the back, as you know very well. Mm. No, but if you drill that in week in week out on the training ground, and this is what happens. Martinez right? a bit special. Martinez, yeah, exactly. We have Martinez there. He kept us in the game. So, you know, the team is coming. But as I was saying before the show, we are two or three injuries from becoming a Spurs. We need a bit more depth in the squad. You know, if we have injuries to maybe like Watkins, Douglas Lewis, Bailey, Diaby, this this alters the dynamics of the team. And of course, let me not forget our fortress, Villa Park, 15 in a row. In the history yeah. of Villa, it's, okay, you know, it's glowing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Glowing. I, I hope you enjoyed that, Gogolin. That was your moment. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's the reason why you've been here all those years. Oh, yeah, <laughs> what I took for granted is that Steven Gerrard started the process. I think the opposite. I'm afraid it looks bad for Stevie G's uh, future manager. <laughs> it does, doesn't <laughs> it? Does. Yeah, because they're good players, and Emery's getting the best yeah, out of exactly. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we have to take a break there, and uh, we will talk about Arsenal. Sorry, Villa. 
uh, a lot more. They're in third, and who knows where they can go. But in a moment, we come back. We can talk Liverpool here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back with myself uh, and Bob and Des and Goglin. Goglin still basking in glory. Uh, but uh, Des, uh, Liverpool are top of the league and they played Crystal Palace 2-1 uh, to Liverpool. Um, I, I mean, OK, you're going to say Liverpool are fantastic, but I, I'm, I'm going to say... No, I'm going to say our way and I'm going to look at the post-match comment of Roy Hudson. He says when he retires... He's not going to miss much because the, the, the red card for Ayu, yes, technically, technically it's a red card because he's done two things wrong. But referees are not allowed to manage games any anymore. All the coaches wanted consistency, your favourite word. Well, I hate that. I know, because <laughs> the referees can't manage. So Ayu technically is correct. The penalty given against Kwanzaa technically is correct. The Palace players didn't even claim. Nobody went down and reacted. And yet they go back, oh, somebody's touched him in the penalty area. Must be a penalty. The game is so, so different, is so managed outside of the field of play that I'm with Roy Hodgson on this one, that uh, there's too much change. There's too much of VAR. Referees have have got to make the ridiculous decisions. Are you going off the penalty? Two stupid decisions. And everyone is now going, oh, it's OK. Oh, it's all right. But Roy Hodgson's dead right. He won't miss it. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool were lucky. They, they, uh, they, they've taken advantage. But you've got to win those games. Um, what I will say is that everyone's saying the Harvey Elliott goal was great. I'm looking at the reserve goalkeeper because Sam Johnston went off injured. New goalkeeper comes on. Palace haven't got a decent reserve goalkeeper. It's gone into the near post from 23 yards out. Yeah, That's a poor goal to concede. Palace had two England international goalkeepers at the start of the season, Sam Johnston and Dean Henderson. And they, Dean Henderson has been injured for almost the entire time. Sam Johnston was injured during the game. That is why a reserve keeper came on who we'd never heard of. So it's it is bad luck, but you you know you get two international keepers, you know, and you still fall short. That is a I think to me that is a bit of bad luck. Bad luck, but it's a very savable shot from any competent Championship goalkeeper. I don't know. I'd have a bit of nerves, wouldn't I? Wouldn't you? Yeah, bring it on. It's his dream. You want to play in the Premier Premier League? You mm. want to play at Liverpool at home? Mm. You come on, the first thing you do is you drop across. The second thing you do is you let a shot yeah. in from 23 metres. Well, I'd, I'd like to talk about Elliot, actually, because Elliot is is a great uh, little dynamo. Mm, yeah, but small his, his one um, well, weakness, I suppose, has been the lack of goals. And if he if that can... Give him some more confidence. I think that Elliot is could be a, a very, very good player indeed. If you add goals to his output, he he's tremendous. He's only twenty. Liverpool's yeah. midfield is very yeah. young. Is, he, is, he, is he, he English? Just, is he yes, English? yeah, he yeah. plays for the under twenty one. Yeah. Scores mm-hmm. a lot of goals for the yeah. under twenty one. I think I think it's he he and uh, Kwanza. I think are very good prospects for the future. And no one mentioned uh, Mohamed Salah. Oh, yeah, well, again, goal. again, somehow Mohamed Salah gets neglected, neglected by FIFA, neglected by the voters for the Ballon d'Or, didn't even get in the top 10, 200 goals for Liverpool, only uh, five people have beaten that, uh, I mean, and in only 300 games, I mean, that is some ratio, mm. this is a guy 
who's, I, I think he's absolutely tremendous and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I'd like to pour some cold water on it in that the ball is deflected a, a country mile. That was, that was. What about Massively. the 199? I'm not pouring cold water on how a goal is judged. A goal is on target so you give the goal. It's some of the laws yeah, that, and the that, interpretations. That, 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 that's, that's an own ball. just bonkers. That is an OG. <clears throat> is it? Yeah. No. It's it not was officially. Good. It was on target. <laughs> you're one, one, technically it was on target so the goal Keeper was going to save it. Okay. Uh, uh, produ- pro- as producer, Ali fades down Des Corkill's. Uh, <laughs> uh, Goglan, Goglan. Tottenham 4, Newcastle 1. Now, and some people were naysayers are now about Ange Postacoglu, but he's back. Um, admittedly, though, Newcastle have got horrific injury crisis. Um, but uh, Tottenham were. were they were Tottenham. They were they and just Tottenham. They're fantastic. Yeah, I mean that slight tweak put, put Son on the left was left, it? Yeah. yeah, did one as an I was really surprised with Kieran Trippier. There's an England defender getting you know mm. done twice if I'm not mm. mistaken. Roasted and yeah. targeted. Yeah, two matches in a row again. Yeah, by know. So you know, I really got understand. But this is the same Spurs side. The t- the tenacity and the ferocity they play in the first half is the same for every Spurs every game they play at home or anywhere. This is Andre, and I was worried that the like against Villa, they did the same thing. They should have been three, four up at the first half, thanks to a bar and some horrendous of finishing. So the same thing here, and they this converted. But what happens is the because of the injuries that Spurs also have, the players tend to start to tire mm. immensely in the second half. Actually, the the second the last quarter of that half because they don't have the players to come in for them, especially playing that kind of football where they press so high up in the pitch. And you could see that, you know, when Anthony Gordon had that break yeah. and that uh, Isak, where, where, where Davis just nicked the ball off Isak's uh, The Van de Van injury is huge for Tottenham, the yeah. way they play. Yeah, uh, exactly. The way they've got the pace. So all you do is you play the ball over the top yes. and you're gone. And the same thing Villa did and Watkins had that goal disallowed against Spurs was exactly that. You play it over the top and then they're on the back foot because they're p- pressing so high up the pitch. So yeah. again, it, if that goal didn't... If the, uh, Isak had scored, it would have been a different game. Yes, but... He didn't. Uh, I, I don't know how he missed what, it, but D- I think Davis, 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 yeah, got, a Davis got a touch. Yeah, Davis got a touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Bob, Newcastle United. We, we will touch on the the Champions League game coming up in a moment. But the the injury crisis, and if they do, by some miracle, get through in the Champions League, that's extra two games. Or if they go somehow into Europa, that's they got a lot of games. They have. Um, it's a little bit uh, ironic, isn't it, that the richest football club in the world, supposedly, <laughs> yeah, hasn't got a very deep squad. Yeah, and I'm wondering, if, is this bad for Eddie Howe? Will Eddie Howe last? Because what, what would be a good season now for, for Newcastle United? Because I don't think they're going to get Champions League spot. Will Eddie Howe last? Yeah. He's, he's, uh, the guy has been sensational, what he's achieved. Yeah, but what, has, what will he have achieved this season? Well, they're, they're still in the Champions League. They've still got a, 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 a chance. It's less than 50-50, I agree. But they've still got a chance of getting through. And what, a, what a, an achievement that would be in a tough group. That was the group of death, PSG and, yep. and Borussia that Dortmund. That penalty, that dodgy penalty yeah. last time out yeah. is going to rob them. Um, and they're still up there in uh, the higher ranks of the... Uh, of the Premier League, I don't think Eddie Howe has anything to worry about. I think he's he's great. I think he's if he if he would take the job, I think he's the next England manager. 
Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've been, I've been on this show, as you said, a long time, and I've always said Eddie Howe, you know, earmarked as a potential England manager, and I, I'm really happy to see what he's been doing at Newcastle. He was at Bournemouth, right, before that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you know, again, he's the step up he's, and the tactical uh, knowledge that they possess, you know. This, this, this is what was my big um, bugbear with Steven Gerrard. He didn't have a plan B, plan C, you know. He just expected individual magic from one or two players. You cannot do that in the Premier League, especially with the same players. You're having a go at Steven Gerrard. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the blood is just like... <laughs> Come down, Goglins. I move said this away. before. <laughs> move away slightly. Okay, uh, let's, let's distract him. Uh, Descourt kill. Luton Town 1, Man City 2. It was looking kind of scary there for uh, Man City for a while. Well, credit to Luton. They're giving everybody a real game now. They took Arsenal to the last minute. Liverpool needed a last-minute equaliser against them, and they've stretched City here. Uh, the, the demise of City, I think, is massively overdone uh, because their last four, their four, their four draws, it was the, um, the Villa defeat. Prior to that, they played Tottenham, Liverpool and Chelsea. Three very, very tough games. They, they got three draws and a defeat. Yes, you expect them to win, but it's early season. Manchester City are still there or thereabouts. Uh, they've got through this, this tough one. I think their next five fixtures are all incredibly winnable. Suddenly, they've got another 18 points on the board. If you win five or six in a row, it'll elevate you up to the top because I think Liverpool will drop points. I think uh, Villa will drop points. And I think Arsenal will as well. So I wouldn't worry too much against City. You've got to look at who the opposition is rather than just who the results are. And uh, this was a, a tough win, um, but they've done it. They've done what Liverpool didn't do. They've won at Luton. Well, uh, speaking of which, Bob, you're, you're a Nottingham Forest fan. We'll talk about them in, in a bit. And uh, <coughs> Forest are kind of, you know, they're, they're above the drop zone at the moment. Uh, of the three at the bottom, Luton Town's looking like the one that might be able to dig itself out. Uh, well, I think all three of them, actually, <coughs> are capable. Even Sheffield United, uh, who until now have been considered probably the weakest of the lot, they've got a new manager, an old manager, actually, a former manager in Chris Wilder, and he's already got a win under his belt. I mean... The reception that he got when he was uh, when he came onto the field for the first home game since his appointment was will tell you how popular he is and what what Sheffield United fans think of him and their chances of staying up. And he got them up out of the championship in the first place about three or four years ago, and he kept them up in their first season. This guy is a very, very good manager, and I think they've come to their senses. And uh, after falling out with him, they've uh, reappointed him, and I think he could save them. I, I, I really do. I mean, somebody's going to have to go down. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Everton, mm -hmm. uh, especially if they get a couple of points knocked off their their yeah. ten, yeah. which I think they probably will somehow. Mm. Um, I don't think they need it, actually. Yeah, they really I mean back they, nine. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> really, I, I think it's galvanised them, despite what so, Sean yeah, Dyche is saying. I think that's galvanised them, just as the uh, threat of the 115 charges to Manchester City back in February galvanised them, thanks to Pep uh, using the siege mentality psychology. They started winning after that. They were unstoppable. They went Petrol. on to win the treble. Ooh, we heard that. 
Um, so I think all it's going to be a cracking uh, battle mm-hmm. at the bottom, as it usually is, and also a cracking battle at the top. Mm-hmm. So far as can be dragged in? Yeah, yeah. you haven't said we're, it. We're already in. We're already dragged. Yeah? Well, that's a good point, Ed Wolves, though. <clears throat> it was. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. But, uh, Gogolin, last, last week, if you remember rightly, I gave Bob all the really difficult ones. So I'm going to give you the difficult ones. Oh. Uh, it's a big scoreline, and yet I find it a little bit hard to, to kind of understand what it is. Fulham 5, West Ham 0. West Ham have been on a, on a good run, and it's sort of come to a screeching halt. And... Um, I've been Fulham there. Yeah, I mean, we were on the show, and I think Bob, you were going on about, uh, or was it Des? Then you know they've sold their main striker, and you know they were looking for goals. We we weren't wondering where the goals were coming from, and suddenly they start. You know they won two in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Two in a row now after the fourth three Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, so it's the goals are coming in fast, and they're coming in from all aspects of the team. It's not just one or two areas. So. I think, uh, so again, Fulham, Everton are really surprising. You know, I thought they were dead and buried. I swear I thought Everton were dead and buried after that. But to come back and win against Newcastle and now... Uh, who, who did they, they just beat? Chelsea. 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 Yeah. Oh, everyone seems to want to talk about the Everton match. So let's, let's just go straight for it then. So f- well done, Fulham 5 against West Ham. Uh, we must mention, though, that West Ham have a lot of games. They've played eight more than, than most other. I mean, they've got a lot of games going on. Yeah, so. Because they're in the conference. Yeah. Um, uh, Des, Everton 2, Chelsea 0. Well, it's, it's dice football. It's not pretty. Um, I love it. McNe- McNeil has come in and he's uh, had a little bit of uh, Will of the Wisp stuff down the left-hand side. Calvert Loom, when he plays, leads the line superbly and Beto comes in and replaces him. Uh, they're solid. Tarkovsky, I love Tarkovsky as a defender. And Jordan Pickford. Mm-hmm. Um, Everton fans love him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an irascible character. He'll scream and shout, but he's definitely on your team. And he makes big saves, huge, important saves. And he's very much part of this recovery. When they lost 3-0 to Man United, you wondered whether the wheels had come off um, a couple of weeks ago. But two huge wins, Newcastle and Chelsea, coming to Fortress Goodison Park, both going home without goals uh, and Everton scoring two and three respectively. It's, it's a remarkable performance. I do think it'll come down. I can't see them scoring continually, but uh, no, the, um, the passion, the, the scout sense of, um, uh, you know, the world is against us is, is coming to, to their rescue again. And, uh, and you add that to dice ball, which is ugly. I love it. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's effective. Yeah, it's what you want. No, but uh, I, mean, I think I, I watched that game and I thought Chelsea were labouring really hard. I mean, they were trying to find a way through that Everton defence and Everton were playing to their strengths. which is basically, you know, pack the midfield, pack the defence and hit them on the counter. Which is ball, which is horrible. Well, you, you have to play to your strengths. So you're playing against these guys. You know, Mudrich was like trying to run them ragged, but he was running into dead ends. You know, perpetually running into dead ends. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. And correct. which is what you're supposed and to do. And Everton have got no money, so I understand yeah. why Daesh is, is playing yeah. like that. So Everton would be 10th without that 10-point uh, re- deduction. Um, be remember. looking at Europe, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Bob, I want to ask you about Chelsea, though. Um, crisis Club, a uh, lot of rubbish. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, if I may, just before I mention Chelsea, I'd like to say that Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been the difference, or one of the differences for Everton. I did say that a few weeks ago. If he can stay fit, not just because he scored one or two, he's only scored one or two, but he's a target man. They've got a target. Mm. They've got somebody up front, and that's what they needed before. And if he can stay fit, they'll they'll stay up. Uh, Chelsea, yes, a crisis, a crisis club. Uh, £928 million pounds. 
has been spent by the Todd Bowley regime. It's in two years. That's since two years. he took over in just, well, it's about 18 months now. Right. Isn't it? Within financial fair play rules. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, somehow. somehow. Um, yeah, and Pochettino, after the game, said, we're going to have to spend more. Hmm. Now, what does that say about Chelsea? Really? I mean, crisis club, yes, in capital letters. But if we imagine that there is a method to the madness, what would the method be? Get young players so that nobody else can get them? Yeah, um, sort of, sort of. Um, but put I think them what, on I these long-term contracts. Trying to say is that he wants his own. Yeah. Because these yeah. were signed by so, Todd Bowley. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, think he, the, well, I think that is what he's trying to say through the Only PR a couple speak, yeah. were signed, signed uh, but, yeah. I think, so uh, were I his think, players. You know, so he so, comes out as saying that they need no more players. They've spent nearly a billion pounds. But it's not his place. So and Pochettino only signed so 15 million Caicedo. Oh my goodness. So it just starts all over again. Yeah, it just he starts just all wants over to again. get to the billion mark, I think. That's, uh, you know. <laughs> well, there's one side but, in there. Uh, how this gets through financial fair play, I do not know. Even with the trick they're using, amortisation, you know, putting them on these ridiculously long contracts, eight years, some of them, so that it's only, you know, an 80 million pound mm. player. It's only 10 million a year. Uh, and they somehow, with the sales to Saudi Arabia, they did sell two or three places to Saudi Arabia, and they got unexpectedly high fees for these guys. And one of the shareholders of uh, Clear Lake, who own Chelsea, uh, is the Saudi Arabian uh, Public Investment Fund. Oh, the PIF, that owns, yeah. that owns Newcastle United. Yeah, yeah, there was a big uh, story about that so, yeah, you know, on the Athletic the um, other day. They're, hel- they're helping them out. Yeah. So, uh, I was in a meeting with Putin earlier this year, <laughs> and Mashiri was banned from uh, from Everton because he had two links too close to Putin. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, yeah, yeah yeah well yeah. questionable. There we are. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Chelsea crisis. And dodgy. <laughs> um, allegedly. Allegedly. But also, uh, amusingly, they are below Fulham and Brentford. They're two West London rivals. <laughs> so that's kind of satisfying. Um, we're going to take a break now. And in a moment, we'll continue with a bit of uh, Premier League. But then we'll look at the Champions League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Just for Capes with myself, Cam Rasland, Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, and Goglan Doraju. And now Goglan, um, in the tradition of giving the hardest questions, um, you could got a choice. Which is harder to talk about? Brighton won or Burnley won? Or Sheffield United won? Brentford nil. No, I'll, I'll stick with Sheffield United because you did, did ask it. me a couple of uh, shows ago who I thought I'll survive what, out of the three. And I said Sheffield United. Uh-huh. Right, and this is uh, I mean, like we were just speaking about this that Sheffield United have been galvanized and getting a, a three a three points over Brentford, who are also playing really well at the moment. It should be galvanizing for them, you know, getting out of the top four. But again, I would see all those teams at the bottom right now are stirring. You know, even Luton are playing for good football; they're getting the goals. So there is going to be a big mighty scrap coming, and Forest better be watching out, you know, and because these teams once they start stirring and get you just put in two or three games together, and the whole league table starts changing. And it becomes a mental uh, game all of a sudden. You start looking over your shoulder. If if that is the case, <clears throat> that if these three can start rising and will burst past uh, Derby County's record of 14 points, um, then that means that the ones in danger will be Nottingham Forest, presumably, what, Crystal Palace, potentially? 
and Bournemouth. I mean, we've really just sort of dismissed Everton. I mean, it's really, it's, it's Forest and Palace, isn't it? Well, I don't think those three will get the results. I think they'll mm. be competitive. But you look at the goals scored, they're all struggling to score goals. Uh, 17, I think, for Luton, 16 for Burnley, 12 for Sheffield United. It's all well and good being competitive, getting a lot of praise for, for playing well, getting the odd point, but Burnley have only got a point there at Brighton. James Trafford has played a, a fabulous game. Sheffield United, yes, they've got the win. Uh, Bramall Lane will be difficult to go to, but I can't see them beating too many clubs. So it would need a, a Bournemouth-style improvement from any of those bottom three, and I don't see them being yeah. able to do the consistency. I can see them being really difficult to beat, but not winning enough games to, to get away from the bottom three. And, and I would agree. But now, the big one. The, uh, was this a Super Sunday? Was this the, the headliner one? <laughs> uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Nottingham Forest won. Bob Holmes. Well, uh, I was shocked, actually. <laughs> I, I was resigned to defeat, and the sacking of Steve Cooper. Yeah. I really was. And this I regard as a stay of execution. Uh, the next game is Spurs at home on Friday night. Uh, this coming, Spurs this coming Forest, Friday at, at Forest. Uh, so, I mean, we've lost the last two home games. So the invincibility of uh, the city ground has taken a bit of a knock. And Spurs have just won. And they, they're no longer in crisis. Um, so this is going to be tricky. And a lot, there's a lot riding on this. And, uh, but the Forest fans are almost unanimously behind Steve Cooper. Um, having said that, I am too. But having said that, uh, I can see the point of sacking him, actually. Mm. Uh, because they've spent... They spent a lot of money. <clears throat> They've given him the players he wanted, and they're not working. It's not working. He's not getting them to play, and he's had he's had quite a lot of time uh, to do this. And although he is a, he is a great guy, he, he is a he, you know he'll always be welcome in Nottingham. They fans absolutely love him, but you have to ask: Is he really up to it as a top manager? with international players. He made his name with the un England under-17 team, which won the World Cup. And he's very good with junior players, and he was very good in the championship. He's not been a Premier League manager before. Mm. And really, with the players he's got, they should be doing better. And is it the players or is it the manager? Mm. Now, they've just had a bit of a shindig, behind the scenes, one or two players have been banned from training and that sort of thing, and then they got this result against Wolves. So hopefully they've sorted this out, whatever divide there was in the, in the dressing room, and the, the uh, spokesmen uh, were saying that we love Steve Cooper, uh -huh. and we want him to stay and all that. So hopefully he, he's sorted this out and the players are backing him. Right. I think if they beat Spurs, then... I think well, he's, he's all yeah. right. He's all right. <laughs> it's okay, isn't If he? they don't, <laughs> losing I, I Brandon Johnson uh, for all the signings, you lost your main striker. Mm. Yes, but you I sold think, your main striker. Yeah, yeah. but well, I, for the money, yeah. I think they had to. They had to sell him. So, well, but, but, 
Goals, and, goals are everything. Yeah, I would just say, uh, Bob, um, thank you for that. Um, that was, uh, it's it's, that it's, was it's hard. great, isn't it? It hard. was hard to uh, say, wasn't it? And I'm, I, and it I would was. say, this is a safe space. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we wish you all the best. <laughs> Can I have your laces, please? Yeah. yeah. It was really like sort of pushing out a guest that you love so much from the house. It's, but it's really time to go, Steve. Sorry. Um, anyway, we move on. And Des, we're going to go to Champions League. And we're going to talk Manchester United, who are the bottom of their group right now. But they could, they could, if they beat Bayern Munich, they could. And if... And, and Galatasaray draw, they could still go through. They could. They could, and it would be thoroughly undeserved. But Bayern Munich lost 5-1 at the weekend, so Bayern Munich themselves are not uh, without their, their trauma. They are near the top of the league. Bayern Leverkusen are doing everything in, in Germany. But uh, oh, United, you can't concede. How many goals have 14 goals in five games and really expect to progress in the Champions League? Uh, win, that's all they can do. Win could even get could get them second place. Um Copenhagen and Galatasaray, can you see that? Oh, gosh, I, I don't know. United don't deserve to go through. That's number one. Their form is too ske- sketchy. That's number two. Bayern Munich have got to bounce back uh, from their 5-1. That's number three. Even if United win, it won't be enough. It's going to be Maguire coming in with a towering header in the 95th minute, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? And, and I think yeah. a last-minute equaliser for, for Galatasaray and <laughs> Copenhagen. Yeah. You just watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man United will be back and they'll win at Anfield and everything will be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Goglin, I, I don't know what, do I always turn to you when I think of PSG? And so you are going to be our PSG correspondent. Um, We've got a, a situation here where Newcastle United could also, they're in third in their group. They could go through if, what, they win against AC Milan. And my math is not good enough to cope with everything else after that. <laughs> I think for uh, Dortmund and uh, Dortmund's already qualified. Yes. So PSG are playing Dortmund. So a draw there. A draw there would put them both through. Could you, could you see um, PSG? Well, PSG, f- for safety's sake, would want to win. Can they? Can they? Well, Milan is still in it, though. So, yeah. So, yeah. Where, how do you see this one? I mean, again, Newcastle United injuries, etc. Yeah, I think that uh, the defeat over the weekend is is moral sapping. But you know, this is Champions League. This is what you know. Players are there for the big lights playing on midweek, so they will be up for it, and they know what's at stake. So, I think, barring any more injuries, well, I don't. I I think it's going to be really tough for them against Milan side, but they should get the three points. But I think PSG will qualify. I must go back to the Mbappe penalty in the last game. Mm, what was that? What VAR, eight yeah. minutes of injury time. Yeah. I suppose a, a handball. VAR comes in, gives PSG uh, a, a, an equalising penalty for M- M- Mbappe. PSG equalise. Never in this, in a month of Sundays, never is what it you, a penalty. What are you saying, Des? I'm not saying, saying anything. <laughs> no, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying VAR <laughs> isn't just a British problem. I'm saying okay. VAR go, goes around. It is a, a <clears throat> wretched decision that will cost a Saudi-run club at the hands of a Qatari-run club. <laughs> I think we the should say thing, then, here that it's uh, as much as we've banged on about VAR, um, laws, it's, yeah. it's also the rules. Yes. Yeah. And Let the rules have been turned to make it easier for the VAR decisions. Well, let, let, let's talk about that in a moment when we come back um, from our break here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back. 
Uh, took me by surprise there. <laughs> With myself and Bob and Des and Goglan. And now, Des, uh, Malaysian football, AFC is happening, but also the Malaysian Cup final happened. Yes, this is a red-letter week for Malaysian football because BFM News, twice this week, have featured Malaysian football. Oh, it's cause it's Neither in a positive light. Oh, I okay. need to talk to the editorial people about that. Um, and I, you know, I defend Malaysian football, but sometimes they make it so difficult. The Malaysia Cup final, 80,000 people from north and south, wonderful occasion. Um, rain was coming down, but the atmosphere beforehand was sensational. They play on a dog-eared pitch. Mm. It has cost uh, an ACL problem for Ubedila, the mm. Trunganu player. He is seriously injured, a promising left back, seriously injured by the pitch. It was uh, the Coldplay had a concert a couple of couple of weeks ago, and so this showpiece game, which should be the the high point, absolutely ruined by a dreadful garbage piece of a pitch, which has had four million ring. Is it four million? Four million ringgit spent on it, and you think, oh, they they wouldn't be that stupid, and you look at all the pre publicity. It it wouldn't be that bad. It was. It, it looked was, terrible. It, it was terrible. awful. On the field of play, then, Johor have just won back-to-back quadruples, they call it. I call it uh, triples because they include the uh, Subangse as well. Yeah, but, the charity but, uh, shield. Charity shield. But back-to-back trebles, incredible. They play uh, this weekend and can complete an unbeaten season in all domestic competition. Unheralded. They've only dropped one game and that was a last-minute equaliser against Kedah. So they've won the league. They've now won the Malaysia Cup. But they got a most atrocious refereeing decision from Lagoswaran. He was in the news as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he I, was on the news earlier. He was on the news earlier. I, <laughs> He's our referee. He was, he was, he was surrounded by <laughs> Trungalu players afterwards. It, it wasn't a great decision. No, it was a dreadful decision. Uh, VAR, <laughs> which I hate, might have helped him. VAR is coming in. We'll talk about that next season for Malaysia. Who's paying for it is my question. Um, but then the game, Trungalu got themselves an equally mm, iffy penalty. Uh, that wasn't given originally by Logoswar until he was surrounded by Tranganu players. He then had an assistant on the goal line who said, you better give a penalty. Uh, Tranganu equalised. Then in the second half, we got down to some football on a wretched pitch and Johor uh, thoroughly deserved their 3-1 win. So the treble for Johor, back-to-back trebles, far and away the best team, thoroughly deserved. They go into the AFC Champions League last group game tomorrow. Mm in uh, Iskander I'm there doing the commentary for the World Feed I'm glad to say but it's a dead game against BG Patam United but even if they uh, so if, uh, let's assume they win mm-hmm. they will go out with nine points which mm-hmm. is really good it's a, it's a step forward they won't progress progression in the AFC Champions League is what they want to do they won't progress Tungano are also in AFC Cup action where they play Bali United on Wednesday if they win they might go through uh, only the top team in the three groups in our region go through, but they're unlikely to top the group. They then hope that they are one of the best second-place teams. So it could be a horrible week for Trungano, even victory tomorrow, and they might be eliminated. Sabah, they're playing as well. They're there in the AFC Cup against PSM Makassar, already through. Uh, Sabah did that with a comfortable victory yeah. in Haugang a few days ago. But Malaysian football, I love you to bits, but you make it so, so hard to love you. The pitch... Um, the refereeing decisions and now I hear the cost of VAR who is paying this cost for the VAR is it the clubs the clubs are already in financial difficulties I'd love to know how they square this financial circle well um, yeah we're going to have to find out because it, it's going to happen next it's going to happen it's yeah. happening they're spending 10 million that was on the news on BFM 10 yeah. million on the VAR units okay well let's let's uh, let's think about that then as we go forward because I know that you you fellas um, especially you 
Desmond and Bob is like champing at the bit. Still got VAR stuff to talk about. Looking forward to next season. What would Malaysia have to look forward to, or what what could? What, what are the pitfalls? What can, they, what can the pitfalls? What can they learn from the experience in in England? The, th- the most egregious, worst things, Bob. Well, if you actually attend the match, if you're in the ground, it's a lot worse than watching it on TV. You don't appreciate how long these uh, decisions take. They, they've taken up to five minutes. Now we're we're here watching it on the on our sofas. You can go and go into the kitchen and go to the fridge or whatever, make a drink, come back and look, and they still haven't decided and all that. And you're still in your own home watching it and not too discomforted. If you're there, and especially in uh, – well, they, they won't have to suffer the climate anyway. That's one good thing. But, it, <laughs> you know, feel, feel for them. Right now, you know, there's a – the latest blizzard, I think, has blasted through great the UK. Here, um, and they're freezing. And the players who've warmed up meticulously beforehand to avoid hamstring injuries and, and all this kind of thing find themselves standing there in the middle of a freezing winter for fu- up to five minutes at a time and the fans also suffering uh, while a decision is being made. Now, OK, you won't have the weather to worry about, but you'll have the time. And I can tell you this isn't half tedious no. and infuriating. And then especially if you get the wrong one, if it's, if it's wrong for your team. Now, there's the issue of whether you get the right decision or not. OK, but... What we've seen is that you don't always get the right decision after all this. I mean, if they, there would be some kind of argument for VAR if it was right every single time. But it but, is but, far yeah, from that. Oftentimes, you were about to say this earlier, oftentimes it's not a case of... It actually, the, 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 they are following the laws of the game. They're it's trying to. They're trying to, but they're changing the rules to meet VAR. It should be the other way round, shouldn't it? Well, Des, you're about to say. Well, I've got a billion things to say, but number one, I feel <laughs> the VAR has just reduced the authority of the referee. The referee is now not allowed to make a mistake, and he will send things immediately upstairs where he will be told that a t- slight touch, I'll go to the palace penalty again, a slight touch is a penalty. It's not, but it, it, it is given. And the, the law, technically, it's all right, it's a penalty. Uh, so the authority of the referees is being completely, utterly undermined by, by VAR. I, I've been doing the Hockey Junior World Cup this year, and they mm. use kind of a video referral. It's wonderful. Because you hear what the umpires are saying to each other, and they're talking to the um, uh, to the umpire upstairs. It's not on the screen because the FIH want, didn't want it on the screen. But if it is on the screen, then everybody is part of the process, and you can hear what the decision is real time. So who can hear? The not not so, people. So at the moment, broadcasters. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, the the, the the television audience or the the streaming yeah. audience back home, in cricket, when they go to the video replay, <clears throat> they have it sponsored, which is where this is all going. Uh, the sponsored VAR, that's where this is going. It's a money thing, this. Yeah. But they have the sponsored not out out. It's the most lucrative sponsored element 
in cricket advertising. Yeah, and, it, and it's a popular moment, though. It's popular. VAR is not a popular moment. Well, so. VAR is a decisive moment. And yeah. so all of these, it's, it, this is a financial thing. This isn't a sporting okay, thing. Okay, all right. So, uh, Gogler, my question is, if we let them talk about it now for like five minutes, do you think they'll get worn out and eventually we'll stop talking about it? <laughs> I mean, is there anything we can do no, to try? No, no, no. That, there's, about, so. there's about six seasons left in them. <laughs> <laughs> but all they've got to do is get rid of it and I would have been right. I've been saying this since 2016. Now, I think I think we're on the verge of, of them getting rid of it. Money. No, well, no. you just said if it's yeah. money, they're not going to get rid of it. They're just going to tweak it in a way and it'll be there. I think VR is here to stay unless there's a massive movement against it. But there is, there is, there is, though. There is, but the high echelons are not making that. And if it's a money thing, there's always something at play yeah, there. But I go back to the initial statement of David Ellery, who uh, some people may remember is a very officious referee, um, now he's the guy behind the, these rules, and he said it would take no more than six seconds, and it would only be used every five or six games. Now, that was a promise. He said it won't disrupt the game, and now look at it. The game is disrupting VAR. Yeah, the game is disrupting VAR. And commercial opportunities will, will accrue will. from it. So but then I, I go I, back to the Malaysia thing. Who's paying for it in Malaysia? Is it a sponsor element? Because no, there isn't 10 million running around in, in Malaysian football. Not spare. Yeah, and if there were, there would be places that it could be spent. We'd have more than 14 professional clubs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so, Gogolan, you think there's nothing we can do? Um, I tried. I tried. <laughs> but he loves it. He loves it. Well, well he's happy, isn't it? Well, it's not another thing, though. The, the fa some fans, you know, on a weekend will feel that they're beneficiaries and they'll be like, oh, VR is the best, or I really don't care. Yeah, but because there's always two sides of the coin of VR, right? One side, if somebody's always benefiting from VR. Yeah. It's the game that is not benefiting from VR. But if, from a fan point of view, one fan, one side of the fans are benefiting and one side are not. You see, i got to say that I'm, I'm not a fan of any particular club. I'm a fan of football. Uh, so actually, of all the people who are on the pitch that I'm watching, the one that I actually probably have the closest affinity to is the referee, because he's also presumably dispensable. And his authority has been utterly no, undermined. I, I, I agree entirely. I agree entirely. And I, I think that so good or why, bad why, why decision... Why don't they just give like each team three three reviews, you know? And you can use that. If you, that what do you mean? So and and you, it's successful, you don't lose it. They do that in hockey. In cricket yeah, and all that, you have three also. reviews. You're allowed, you're allowed to reviews. use. If you use the review and you're successful, the review stands. If it's not, it's gone. So you have two left. So you, you know, like, this will be like substitutes. This old two reviews aren't enough. So it's up to 48 reviews. That, right. That's where it'll go. But I, I, I agree with you. There's so much they can learn from other sports. But let's just get rid of the piece of garbage that it is. OK, I agree with you. And uh, so uh, as we wrap up the show next week, we'll talk about the back pass rule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that still going on? Yeah. <laughs> Offside. I was, watching, I was watching videos of 1982. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Offside, we'll, we'll revisit that one. And, uh, and droids. Uh, and I think also just picking up the ball and running. With it. Yeah, goalkeepers are, yeah, can go to the halfway yeah. line holding the ball. OK, well, with that in mind then, uh, we wrap up the show and I want to say thank you very much to Gogolander <laughs> Roger. Thank you for having me. And Des Corkill. Yeah, good luck to JDT and Tringanu in the week. I do love you, Malaysian football. Just make it easier. Okay, and uh, I think there's a I think there's a Coldplay song called that. <laughs> <laughs> and ooh, ooh, and uh, Bob Holmes, thank you. Thank you. And uh, despite everything, it's still a great game. It is. It is. And uh, also thank you to our producer, the, the big top guy himself, Ali Johan, has joined us. And so Cam Rustland, please join us next time for 
Just for kicks. kicks. I was about to call it a bit of culture. <laughs> Just it's, it's, it's actually it's, it's going to be called a bit of VAR from now on. Yeah, yeah, a lot of VAR. <laughs> a lot of VAR here on BFM 89.9. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app